Yo, welcome to another episode of the Cheat Coders Podcast. My name is Brav and I am here with Don Doing Stuff. What's doing? doing? All the way in London, Tam. That's Blazing. You're listening to the Cheat Coders Podcast. Hello Sydney, hello Australia, and hello world. Welcome to another episode of the Cheat Coders Podcast. This is episode number 120. 120. And we are here live in Mount Druid just for you. And we have done doing stuff. And that's blazing What's all doing? the way in London town. Yeah, boy. Today yeah, we'll boy. be covering a lot of shit. We'll be covering some screen coders, which is just us reviewing some TV shows and movies. We'll also be getting some questions from you guys in our new segment called Cheat Mail. And then we're also going to touch on, not really touch on, deep dive into the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that's been going on, not only in America, but around the world. So let's start off with the Cheat Mail segment where we're going to get some questions all the way from you guys the chicos and chicas of the chicoters cartel to just you know let us let us provide some content that you would like to listen to so if you want to provide some feedback or questions just come onto the podcast or even our instagram and tell us what's on your mind or even ask us questions as a group or individually if you want to ask don about his workout plans if you want to ask <laughs> nats about his impeccable hairstyle or oh, even yeah. myself for my greatness so you can <laughs> how ask how to grow a beard <laughs> how to grow, how to a, grow beard. a beard by Ralph Flores. <laughs> let's start off with the first question the first question is an from anonymous and the question is do you think music albums will be obsolete in the future why and if so what do you think will be the new body of work so let's start off with Don because I know you're a type of music guy. Do you think mm. that in the future music it. albums will be obsolete? Um, I think that's the way it's going now, right? Um, people are just trying to get attention. It's it's more about what, like how much attention they can get, and albums don't necessarily get attention because it's input versus output. They they put in all of this work for, you know, a. a a body of work, an album, and then they release it in one go, and then like you know they they've just got one promotion for it, but it does, it may not get as much attention as it would if it were multiple different tracks, right? It'll, if if it was one track at a time, you could push that for a month. You'd have a marketing campaign, and you know I I defer to to Nats's expertise on this in, in terms of the marketing, but you would you would push it out for a month, and then the next month. You'd have a completely different song, and you know you'd have you'd have more content. And I think that's what it comes down to nowadays. Yes. It's about having more content out there. So, do you think like the future is more so just dropping singles or like little mini packs of um, you know four or five tracks to release as their body of work, rather than just dropping a whole full ten song album to to twenty song album? I reckon. I reckon it'll it'll be more towards you know dropping singles and even if they do create an album they'll release that in a piecemeal fashion it'll come out you know let's here here's here's one track and then here's another and then you know you'd have one you'd have it you'd release the entire album at the end of a like you know a 3 month campaign or something like that much like how episodes of TV shows come out you see them each week and then that's fair. That could you know, be all right, like seasons, like 
every every <laughs> every artist is a TV show, yeah. and then they probably have like twenty track seasons where like they drop like in a in this weekly fashion. Mm. That I think that'd be an easy way to digest um, um music nowadays. But um, I reckon that's a good idea. That'd be cool, right? That'd be like, pretty cool. It'd be you 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 leave the track on a cliffhanger, and then the next track comes in. You know, it answers the the cliffhanger. And then it goes into the next track. Like it, it's just, it's like a story. It tells you an entire story. I wonder which hoe is going to throw his money to on the next track. <laughs> <laughs> but um, how about you, Nats? What's your thoughts on the body of work and its future? Do you think albums will be obsolete in the near future or even probably in a couple of years? Um, to be honest, I think what, what Don's explained, I think that's actually happening right now. Um, yeah. Essentially with the, with the, with the uh, what, what you guys explained with the um, how we, artists it's like tv series and seasons and all that i think with artists because like as a musician there's a story behind the the musician regardless of what they're doing so they'll be in a different phase the music changes through time on what stage they are in their career um i do definitely agree with don um with how music is put out now is um that that's the only way to if, if you're looking to get big and become you know, uh, a major artist or whatever. The the way to go, the 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 business model is you got to keep putting things out like on a consistent mm. basis. Um, yeah. in in terms to answer if it'll be obsolete, like completely gone, um, I think it's pointless for a um a, an artist just starting out to drop an album because it's a waste of um, it's just not not a smart way to do it. Like people will do it, but it just won't be as effective. I think because um, as trends do, like Russ, the rapper, um, what he found and why he switched his marketing plan, he was dropping albums every month. What he noticed on the trend on SoundCloud was his first song would get the most hits just statistically because yeah. people would just check out that body of work and it'll start there and trickle down to the last song. Um, whereas so he switched it up and said, you know what, I'm doing all this energy, um, putting this material out in bulk. I'm gonna just do one album and send one song each, and um, and then yeah, he saved a lot of time time with that. I think um al yeah. albums will never be completely obsolete. I think um artists that are are really uh, powerful like Drake and um, you know, have a lot of reach. They have the capacity to do it yeah. because naturally, if they send an album out, it's more uh smarter for them to do that because when they drop an album. That's like a guaranteed, like that's how they chart the album, um, the the billboard or whatever it is. Because, you know, if Drake drops a 20, al 20 song album, he's going to be killing it as opposed to Eminem dropping one single. And then, you know, so it's just it's just the the way it it, it, it um, yeah. transcends now these days. That's and that's how I see it. And I think just to add to that, the, there are established artists. So there's the difference between an artist who's just starting out exactly. and an established artist. So someone like, like extreme example is Beyonce, mm. who when she creates her albums, there is, you know, there is a visual campaign, there is an audio campaign, there is. Yeah, you have a monster like, behind it. You have the following it's, it's, behind there's it. There's massive, there's massive amounts of content that go into that. Yeah. Um, and then she'll release that as a, a, body, a body of work, of work. and that's what she loves to do. But because she's already established, she has she the you know the platform, and she has the people to be able to, to yeah. To, um, market that i too. think new, newer new artists have that approach now too like this is a random ass example but you know um uh rich chigger when he dropped his uh viral hit he's yeah. just a kid that drops like random songs aka but rich brian now. rich brian now yeah but he was rich chigger before but when he dropped that he got viral he got a bit of a following he mm. he was in the position to drop an album but if he just kept 
if he dropped that album, it would have no effect. Like if he dropped that album first without the, you know, the constant whatever he was putting out before. Yeah. Rich Chigger, whatever his song was before then. So um, <laughs> that's, that's pretty much You're it. You're a fan then. You're a I, fan. I like him though, man. 88 Rising. <laughs> haven't, shout out. Shout out. I haven't said them in a while. I really hope that ab- albums don't get obsolete. I hope they actually become a bit more vintage. And then yeah. like on a special occasion, probably like an artist or even someone that's like really up there that just continues just doing the album mm. format. Because yeah. I know it's slowly deteriorating. But I really hope it just doesn't obsolete because, like, I really enjoy a, a really good themed album. I love albums. Or even man. something yeah. that's, like, really, you know, even the skits, even just, like, little things like skits, interludes, mm-hmm. and how everything just weaves into, like, concept. Like, that's really the joys of having an album. But they can still do that with the EPs and the two-packs and all that stuff. So yeah. it's not really lost. But I think having an album, fully thought-out album, is really one of those things that really sh- defines what an artist truly yeah. is to their core. Damn right. We should we should make an album that is like a TV series, bro. Yeah, we, we made we, we made a mixtape, bro. We made a mixtape. I know I know we made a mixtape, but it wasn't a TV series stuff. We'll call it season one. <laughs> next one, season two. Easy. <laughs> this, bro. All right. So the next Dope. question um, from another anonymous person. Um, considering we are halfway through 2020, how do you think this year will be talked about in history lessons in 2000? It's gonna be a write off. This Thanos. is a write off. This was a write off year. This was. In what they call it in in community, the gas leak year. The gas leak. Everyone talks about it, but like <laughs> it's not really shown. The gas leak year, where like where just you know, it just wasn't great. Like mm. just things weren't great, and mm. I, and yeah. But these are one of those years that you consider something that you'll see in a history book. Absolutely. Like I it's not one, it's not a write off year in terms of like people will be like just skipping past through it it's no. just yeah. no, there's a lot of shit that's going yeah, down right. this year we're yeah, halfway yeah. in and there's a lot of shit that's the, going I, down i think i think somebody said it i read it um uh somebody had said it best where they said that this time this year is a there's a year of pressure right and yeah. pressure and conflict um helps to grow like helps things to grow and mm. that's that's a great way to look at this year i know i joke and say that it's a write-off and that you know it's a gas leak year, but um, I think this year of all years is the time when we have the biggest opportunity to learn and the biggest opportunity to grow. Yeah, man. I yeah. think this year has been more a coming together type of year. I think it's. The, I think it's the perfect. The bushfires. Perfect way like, to start off the decade, man. Yeah. 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 So bushfires, you know, people started coming together in support of trying to help people who have been affected by the bushfires, and then after that was Pandemic. the whole COVID thing. Yeah. And then. Now here you've been hit, literally hearing people saying we we should just come together to fight this disease, stay at home. Yeah. And now we have the the protests and the Black Lives Lives Matter movement. Yeah. That's coming together as well. We are halfway through the year, man. I don't know what's gonna happen in the second half of this year. <laughs> and bro, this alias, bro. This, is, this episode of Earth is crazy. This, this is a wild season of TV. You know, like yeah. if this was like a series and there's like particular seasons this is a crazy year yeah absolutely a crazy season it's absolutely it's unbelievable so how about you Nats? what's your thoughts on this year well how will it be looked back on in 2100 yeah dude by- this is history in the making we are we are living it right now and um if people are, like sometimes when people are just so like ignorant about it like just carrying on like it's normal sometimes i see i was like are you are you not seeing that there's things happening right now mm. like we are living in this moment um, if anything, it's great to be a part of it, to be honest, because I think a lot of the things 
that have happened a result of not us not addressing it as like in humanity not us literally but you know things that we didn't really think of that were probably harming the earth or probably you know um was just being swept under under the rug it's finally being yeah. properly addressed and it's i think yeah. it's the best way to start off the decade it's like all these issues that have arise it's like fuck let's like let's do something about it finally yeah, that's a good or whatever that's a good point it's like it we've there are all either the all of these inherent problems we may as well like not may as well like these these bad things are happening around the world let's start off this this new decade it could it could it. very well mean yeah. like 2020 was when things started to get better because um yeah. we're realizing a lot of things aren't right um and it comes down to to learning to you know listening and just seeing how the world's responding to things like how we respond in a global pandemic yeah. ne never happened to us not not at this scale at least you know what i mean you know what i'm saying yeah you, and i think i think especially in an age where everything is recorded where there's so much more access to information and you know we're able to reach out and come together in more ways than before yeah badly essentially this is a rebrand like <laughs> the world rebrand yeah. i swear World like if you if you think about rebrand is the definition of a rebrand yeah. is like you're looking at the things that you want to change to make your brand better change how to work, say that essentially a world is yeah. a brand i am and not to essentially agreement. we need to change these particular things the bushfires give more attention to say kind of global warming global or something warming. like that or like the yeah. environment yeah. trying to environment. fix it and taking care of the environment then we got covid like these things just happen and when we need to be able to survive in the health health and medical side of things yeah and racism is the things that we need to change as well moving forward as 100%. well so the rebrand I'm, I'm glad that we're going through all these things it, it's terrible as it is as in people are going through all these um hardships and yeah. everything but i'm i'm really positive that the, the rebrand is happening and uh, yeah i Damn love right. that you turned it I, I love that that you use that analogy of it as a rebrand because that's 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 really good and i love that even though it's been a difficult year there are things that we can look forward to um that this is the beginning of like change you know it's the beginning of, of good things can start to happen because this bad stuff has happened mm. Hells yeah. Hells nice. Yeah. nice so if you have any more questions just go into our instagram send us a dm Slide and just send it send, send it over and you can give us feedback a comment you can even shout out someone eventually you know what i'm gonna i want to encourage you guys to just send us a voice clip so we could play it on the podcast <laughs> i want to make like this voicemail type thing where people can come in and just say whatever they want whatever that was on their mind because your audience the audience that we have at the chicos the chicos and chicas of the chicos cartel yeah. we want you to be heard and you are much as part of this show than we are so don't please. be afraid to swear because i know that all of our guests kind of ask us can we swear and we say fuck yeah yeah fuck yeah <laughs> ain't, no, ain't no worry <laughs> ain't no bullshit around no swearing that's all good but um be sure to find us at Instagram, The Cheat Coders. Just send us a DM through there or even our Facebook, The Cheat Coders, or comment below on this YouTube, um, youtube.com slash The Cheat Coders. So thanks once again to you guys who have sent through your comments and your questions and keep listening. Cheat Coders. All right. So this is the part of the show we call Screen Coders, where we not only 
talk about the codes of cheating but the codes of watching TV and television and movies so I wanted to bring up three different um, shows or two shows and one movie I wanted to start off with the show Atlanta and look, we'll be talking gonna, about Dave and as well as Parasite yeah look I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest and usually I'm quite prepared for our episodes I haven't seen any of those I haven't seen the, the episode Dave for Atlanta Oh, we got or, Don Blazing over or here. Or I haven't. <laughs> hey, and I haven't a, seen Parasite. I just got that. Sorry. <laughs> that's a, that's a stab at me. So <laughs> I've seen Atlanta, which is it's a great it's a great show, but I haven't seen that particular episode. Um, I'll leave it up to you guys to explain it to me. Okay, so um, it, how, how about this? How about this? Tell me why I should watch. Those. Yeah, we'll be pitching it to you. So yes. These are these. This is two shows and one movie mm. that I believe that people should check out because. Um, the one thing that captured me with Atlanta and Dave is the fact that it's got to do with music and it's mm-hmm. got to do with getting into the music industry and kind of like the struggles and um, little quirks of an artist's journey mm-hmm. from being an underground artist and into getting some recognition. Yep. So we have two different perspectives in Atlanta and Dave, which is why I wanted to mention them in the same topic. Um, we have Atlanta, which is... Um, uh, created by Donald Glover, Childish Gambino. Shout outs. And then we have Dave, which is um, features Little Dickie. Little Dickie. Completely different people, but it's, but do have some sort of same vein in d- in it some sorts. I do enjoy both of their music. Mm. Yeah. So if you're doing, but um, the thing that with these shows is they feel to me like little web series mm. in the form of the in the form of the concepts and the way it's been told. Yep. Yeah. It's not your. It's not a sitcom. It's nothing that you see on. It's not even a full-blown drama. It's kind of a mixture of both. Mm-hmm. But some episodes just touch on like little scenarios, which you can find in web series. Yeah. So the thing I love about with Atlanta is the fact that it's well shot, super well shot, super well directed. It's well written. Well written. And it really has its own niche on delivery. Yeah. Like some people only probably won't like it because it could be a bit draggy and a bit slow. Mm. But that's that's kind of like the style that I like, and then the jokes probably won't land. So like, okay, so I I I, I love Atlanta. Why should I watch this particular episode with with Little Dicky in it? No, no, no. These are two different, no, they're different shows. The different they? shows. Yeah, yeah, Dave yeah. is a different. show. Dave is a completely show, different show, and um, Atlanta is a completely different oh, show. Oh, damn, blazing. They're kind of the same vein. Sorry, but oh, yeah. it makes sense. I thought yeah. this episode was. Ah, oh, okay, okay, yeah, cool. But you I, should watch Atlanta. I think you would enjoy Atlanta. It touches on really um a lot yeah. of social issues as well. I have I have seen that. It's it's good. Um, Donald Glover talks about it's it's he plays a character who uh he's a poor he's a poor black man who tries to manage his uh, cousin mm-hmm. who has a viral hit called yeah. Paperboy. Yeah. Well, he's, he's a, his, his name is Paperboy. Yeah, he's a rapper called Paperboy. And he's on a come Paperboy, up. So Paperboy. Donald Glover's character, um, Earn, wants to be able to ride that wave. And he believes in his business managing, managing skills. And he would. That's, and then we just follow the journey of Earn. So is Little Dicky in Dave? Yeah, yeah. Little Dicky's in Dave. He stars in Dave. What, what's his character? It's pretty much. He's Dave. It's his name. It's his story. Yeah. It's just that's Dave. So, so it's just him playing cool. Little Dicky. So. You you sold me then. You sold me. I I I'm gonna watch it because Little Dicky's in it. That's I love it. Little Dicky. It's a lighter version of um, <laughs> pun intended. It's a lighter version of of Atlanta. It's it, and it has a bit more of a a comedy a comedic feel to it okay. more than Atlanta does. 
Do you, do you have any points to add for for Dave in Atlanta, Nat? Um, I've only watched Dave, but um, I I haven't had the chance to watch Atlanta, but I'm really interested to watch it now. But with Dave, I have to agree with Raf. Um, the way it's shot, it's yeah, that was the perfect way to 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 exemplify it. Um, it's like a web series. I love how some episodes will just sort of end really abruptly. I don't know if you thought that Raf. Yeah. Like sometimes you're watching, it's like, oh, what the fuck? And at first, I'm like wait, that was pretty cool. Like, I'm like, what the fuck just happened? It just ended on that part. It doesn't make sense. Mm. Um, but then sometimes it'll take you by surprise and it'll have like quite deep layers. Like they talk about some really, mm. you know, things that you would not expect of Lil Dicky. And the thing that I like about it, you can see Lil Dicky's like, um, how do I say this? It's just his style. Because like, his music is very themed. It's just always mm. very clever. He makes a song and you're like, how do you think about this? And you can see that transcending into film because all his songs, they've always been a hit because of the visual aid. He's, he's found a way to- Yeah, there's a narrative. Yeah, there's his... a narrative, all that shit. And now yeah. see, like, it's a natural, like, natural move to television. It's like, shit. Yeah, I see this. I think he'd be better as a, like, as a rapper, yeah. But as a, like, a, a TV show, a actor or whatever, it's pretty good. I can't wait for the nice. next season. I've, I finished it as well, so. Okay, you, you, you've both sold me on that. Yeah, watch it. For Dave, I think I think because I think it really resonates with Nats and I because Rappers. we're pretty much that character, Bro, a nerd trying to 100%. get into into a culture that we're not really familiar with. Yeah. We just see it on the TV and I love it, and then we just adapt ourselves into it, and then it it kind of tells our journey. And yeah. I like it. And the thing um, I want to go back to Atlanta is that the way that I like bring it back to Donald Glover's earlier work in community mm. is that it is a different type of feel, but the the concept of how it could change in genre mm. really comes in Atlanta because one genre could be different to the, uh, one episode genre could be different to the next. So it could okay. be a very serious um, episode that focuses on social issues in one episode. The next yeah. episode could be just a, a rat race, which turns into a comedic, type of episode where you're just laughing throughout and then the next one could be a horror one so yeah. it really like genre bends itself genre throughout bends, yeah. the season yeah, especially like, in the second season where it just becomes very character driven and then they just put these random genres on particular characters yeah and there was changes that it. there was that one with um where donald glover dressed up to and he almost looked like uh like a scary Michael Jackson. Yeah, that's probably the best episode <laughs> of the se the two seasons. Dude, I gotta say and this. how it shifted. The previous episode was oh. that was really funny, and then you you move it on to that one, yeah. and then you just don't know where you where you get yeah, into it. It just the, turns into this psychological thriller. All right, so are the episodes tell me long? Why, tell me. Wait, are the episodes quite long in, in Atlanta? No, minutes. they're twenty really minutes. Short? Okay, yeah. no, cool. All right. Twenty to thirty minutes. I can yeah. invest. So, so you can get through. I can it. invest in that. So tell me why. And I know I know Parasite has won awards, mm. right? And it's it's like you know critically acclaimed and all of this stuff. I haven't seen it, bro. Um, you're like so why should I watch to the that? table. Why should it's, al watch it's already old it? that we're talking about it. You but should like, watch you it because you're late. a freaking Asian, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you should support Asian <laughs> movies. <laughs> this one is really something that's one of a kind. Um, I like the the delivery. Delivery is like you feel like it doesn't drag or it it really engages you. Yeah through its comedic quirks as well as the the tension and suspense is it a comedy Dude, it's it's it every its genre quirks. in one movie <laughs> it's every genre in one movie all into one if you like tarantino stuff you could just imagine that but really molded it into a um korean 
psychological trauma yeah okay ish type of thing okay. it has all that in it and it really that that little quirk just gets you through from start to finish mm. okay so you don't feel like you've, you're in a long like a in a movie you feel like you're just taken for a ride yeah into this family so the whole concept of the thing is there's two families that are involved one in a lower lower class and yeah. then one in the higher class so i don't know if this is any spoilers and stuff i went in not knowing anything about it i just heard it won movies and then it just took me for a ride does but, it um, so does it touch on social issues as well is it like um, it's more so on class yeah so right class and touch touches on how people in the higher class perceive particular things than the lower class yeah so if you look in into the movie not without spoiling anything there's a significant event that happens and it really messes up the lower class but then the higher class people are like you know you know after all that it's just get, it's given us this positivity vibes and stuff and that really shows the difference right. in classism all right, i gotta watch it so you gotta okay. check it out and it's well shot as well i just love well shot movies and um, of course you do yeah and yeah like i think i don't know when i was a kid like subtitles was really not my thing yeah. mm. but i don't know as you get older you become more prone to just watching movies with subtitles like narcos has really exercised my subtitles reading ability <laughs> and to pay attention just gotta learn so, some spanish mate so if you, you if, you, if you really want to get to subtitle movies and stuff just watch watch a few seasons of narcos you'll be set nice it's also age like oh what did you say i couldn't i couldn't hear yeah that's it like, so you, you can read. even watch this like watch this with the volume <laughs> all the way down. <laughs> oh good like i used to watch like you know as a kid watch sbs movies for the wrong reasons but you <laughs> and then you'd watch you'd learn to use subtitles then but now i'm older i'm actually watching it for the right reason what what do you mean i don't get that for the wrong reasons yeah uh, we'll like, tell you when you're older mate we'll tell older. you when you're older no i think i know but like does that require subtitles no but like if you want to like get into sometimes you need some story for your pleasure you know what i mean so if, you, uh, if you look up particular right, sites oh, you, you would know you boys are into story you boys are into some interesting <laughs> stuff oh, Oh, uh, it's crazy because my parents are in the other room. I, th crazy. I thought I thought Parasite was like <laughs> just a K drama. I thought that that's what it was. No, it's really um, Parasite. Nah. If you like old boy, you like Parasite. <laughs> okay, it's not the same. It's not the same. Oh, that, but in terms very, of like, okay. so it's, it's, it's different. very Tarantino. Yeah. But what I, I think what I like about it is the pacing. Um, it starts off kind of slow, like really slow, but there's always that lingering like where the fuck is this going? Like you just it's zero predictability. Mm. Like you just don't know what's gonna happen. Mm. And I think really there's a point up. where it's just like, whoa, yeah, really what the hell? The there's, a, there's a wow moment where you're just like, okay, I really just don't know where this is going to go anymore. Is this going to be like a, like, is this, like, you just don't know what this is. Like, is this reality? Is this not? Mm. Um, and, okay. and then, yeah. yeah. And Parasite seems to be the perfect, perfect name for the movie. Like, yeah. so if you watch yeah. it, you'd be like, Parasite makes a lot of sense. All right. You've convinced and like, me. Ah, yeah, get You've that. sold me. I will watch Paris. Well, yeah, you're actually gonna watch it. Are you gonna actually watch it? I will. It? I actually will watch it. We're not gonna I, even check back on you, but like, just make sure you watch it. <laughs> I will watch it. One, <laughs> gonna check one, back. one, especially because yes, it it is important for us to have, um, you know, movies in the mainstream that mm. represent people that that are, that look like us. Yeah, man. You know, people. And when it, when you reach your Tinder account and you come across <laughs> a Korean girl, you'll have a little bit more. You know, to talk about. Cheat coders, cheat coders, podcast. 
Welcome back to the podcast. This is Don Doing Stuff. Um, you're listening to the Cheat Coders podcast. We've got a, a very special segment on right now because um, there is a lot going on in the world. Um, in regards to the Black Lives Movement, there's a lot going on here in Australia um, with the uh, Indigenous Deaths in Custody movement that's been going on. Um, and we've got some special guests with us who uh, are here to help us talk about this issue and, and you know, talk about what we can do to help and what we can do from from this point forward to help you know progress um so just a, a quick introduction we've got tina zaman who is a stand-up comedian and the the producer ceo of um you know tight five comedy which is which is a, a comedy production that promotes people of color here she originally from america but is now living here in australia welcome tina zaman We've also got Delara Williams, who is an Indigenous Australian, who uh, an actor and a writer based here in Sydney. Would like to welcome you both to the podcast. And don't forget about Eski. We have Eski here. And obviously, yes, a, a friend of of, uh, of the show, Eski Ian Escandor, aka Tito Yan Yan. <laughs> I feel like I'm here so much that you know I'm just part of. The yeah, yeah, you are. You are <laughs> part of the furniture. You. I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, I think I think um, I thought about how I was going to start this segment and how we were going to start talking about it. Um, and it was really difficult. But obviously, if you've if you haven't been living under a rock, you would know what's been going on in America. And I think this is something that's been happening. Not just, not just, you know, this week or this month. This is something that's been happening for years, and um, the the discrimination, the discrimination and the oppression against Black people in the United States has been such a prominent thing. Um, and and Tina, I know you can help me with the history of this. It's crazy. I was watching, um, or rewatching sitcoms that I used to watch as a kid. Something like Fresh Prince of Bel Air right and they touched on these social issues there was an episode where fresh prince like will smith and carlton were uh driving to i think it was the bahamas or the driving not bahamas they were driving to somewhere and they got pulled over palm springs yeah and they, <laughs> um and they got pulled over by police and the 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 way that the scene played out was will um Carlton was the ignorant one. He was like, oh, you know, the police are here to help us. And and Will was the the commentary of what black people um, experience when it comes to dealing with police. He was like, he's going to ask for your license. He's going to tell you to get out of the car. He, they're going to arrest us. And that was the commentary from that, from that episode. And the episode, I was re-watching that episode and, and thinking like, this is something that's been happening for years, for for longer than just this month, and um, it made me really emotional rewatching that. Um, and I know Tina, you could you could say a lot more about the the history of of America and what's what's happened there. I mean, I think that when we're talking about American history, U.S. history, we need to keep in mind that um, we're talking about four hundred years of Black death. Mm. And we're black deaths um, because slavery is an example of a total institution. So even though the modern form of it is prison, 
it's a situation in which there's a controlling authority inside the system that gets to decide everything that happens in that system. And that means that they have the power to cover up and sanction death yeah. and murder. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things as well, the, even though slavery, slavery was abolished, um, and I'm, the, the date ex- escapes me right now, but even though slavery was 1865. abolished. Thank you. Thanks, Tina. Yeah, and even though slavery was abolished, there's still systems in place that that help that hinder black people from you know building wealth and building you know lives and it's it's crazy that that's something that still exists. I think that yeah, when we talk about black deaths in the United States, we need to be conscious of the history of lynching and yeah. what is happening now is just a continuation of lynching and modern day lynching, which back in the day of slavery, um, they were public and there were photos taken and made into postcards. So, um, you know, and then now that slavery is uh, supposedly abolished. Mm. um, So the 13th Amendment, which Ava DuVernay made a movie about or a web series about, is the amendment to the Constitution that states that slavery is abolished unless somebody is a convicted criminal. So once they're a convicted criminal, you can have them not just make number plates, but do whatever they whatever do whatever you want. I mean, California firefighters are often um, prisoners, and they fight fires. And then when they come out of prison, they have a record, so they can't actually be firefighters outside of prison. So it's a whole, it's a total, it's a total institution. Other yeah. examples of a total institution are mental hospitals and the police. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, for, for a bit of context, a, a lynching is hanging someone. Uh, a lynching can be any racially motivated killing. Yeah. It is generally in the, in the context of the United States reserved for black people that are trying to escape slavery. I know, I think some people are gonna, yeah, I think it's, I think it's really, um, I just wanna emphasize right now that, you know, I feel very lucky to be a creative at this moment. And, you know, um, I don't know how many of you have been catching up with other creatives, but I think it's really important to take care of yourself. If you can get therapy, please do that. And this is a critical time Mm. where we're all exhausted and trying to analyze and feel and communicate and people are, Sometimes some of our messages are unclear because we are so um, emotionally flooded. So yeah, just to you know, uh, I'm a creative that really believes in the power of taking care of our mental health, even though it's really. difficult to ask for help. Um, just want to give a shout out to Don for asking for help uh, to getting this Zoom link because um, <laughs> that is the hardest thing to do when you're a producer to ask for help because you can do usually you can do everything yourself. Usually, usually. Thanks, Tina. Um, yeah, I think we can all agree that there's, there's, there's so much and there's so much information and there's a lot, that, a lot of work that needs to happen. Um, and, and obviously we're talking, about, we're, we're talking about what's been happening in the US, but we are also struggling with what's been happening here in, uh, in Australia um, with 
the you know indigenous deaths in custody and um Delara, do you want to uh, uh, do you want to talk about that a little bit do you want to give us a little bit of context with that uh, yeah it's it's very similar to obviously what's happening in the US um but because Australia itself is such a new country um it was like officially a, a federation state in 1901 mm-hmm. and if you look at the history of the treatment of Aboriginal people, we weren't included in the census, uh, also considered as citizens, uh, until 1967. And so these are all very new. So as Aboriginal people have only been considered citizens for 50, 52, 53 years, 52 years. Yeah. Um, and so this is not something that's happened hundreds of hundreds of years ago it's in my grandmother was 18 when she was then considered in the census and it is a whole thing of just being uh, a sort of control of um indigenous Mm -hmm. lives and just like the us there are these institutions that are put in place um aboriginal people only make up 2.8 percent of the population of Australia, um, the population of Australia is about 24 million, yeah. and um, Aboriginal people occupy 30% of prisons. Um, in Northern Territory, um, the juvenile detentions were 100% of Indigenous kids. Yeah. So it's not just starting new of uh, into, uh, institutionalizing Aboriginal people. It's starting at the age of 10, where uh, being convicted of that and gone to juvenile detention. And so that's sort of starting off um, in a lot of, like I said, that was in Northern Territory. Um, As a fight of uh, death in custody in the March yesterday, there was somebody that, there was a death in custody in WA that same day. During the marches, during the protests? uh, yeah, so while we're protesting, there was a death in custody that happened in um, WA. Australia. Yeah. So there is this continuous fight and uh, of a, to have a voice, and, and it starts with learning the true history of Australia. Yeah. Um, that, I think that's a lot of the... One of the only things a lot of Aboriginal people are just wanting is for people to understand and learn what has happened in Australia because it isn't taught in our school system. Yeah. I think when I was growing up, it was very much that, um, you know, Captain Cook discovered Australia and the, you know, the indigenous people were here and effectively they colonized the place and, and they kind of glossed over what happened in between that and, that stuff is really important that, you know, the, the Aboriginal people are the, 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 the true owners of this land, but then got, that got taken away from them. The same as, you know. It's, it's, and it wasn't just by accident, it was military as well. So um, a lot of people sort of in that whole scheme of Australia being discovered were oh, a place for the convicts. It, mm. They were actually supposed to go to America but America at the time was going through the revolution. And so Brit- uh, the British Empire was going to lose a colony. 
which was the Americas. And so they had to find another place to put their convicts. So this is all planned out. They had to search for another place and then came across Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what they've learned about colonising the Americas, um, they then modified it to get to Australia. So Australia is the only country in the, uh, in the Commonwealth that doesn't have a treaty with their Indigenous people. Yeah. yeah. And you can see all the countries that are under the Commonwealth. Australia isn't one of them. And they learned that through previous um, uh, places they conquered. Yeah. Um, and that's just a simple rule of terra nullius. Um, if you don't terra nullius, it sort of translates to land belonging to no one. And that's sort of what they came and they used that to claim the land, to say that we don't, we didn't have the systems in place as sort of westernised cultures, yeah. such as agricultural um, farmland, even though we had, but it's not in their eyes. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah. You, the the Aboriginal people, the true owners, but then because they didn't recognise the same structure or the same um, laws or whatever in place here, they were like, "Well, we can take the land." Um, and that's that's horrible. Um, it's horrible that the fact that this information is not really out there in terms of like, yeah, not really. Because this is the first time I'm actually hearing about this, and the whole the protests and talking about deaths in custody has been really. That's the only time I'm. That's the first time I'm hearing about that too. It's mm. how things have been really glossed over through the years in terms of the Aboriginal culture and how they've been really been put to the side and really glossed over as a as a culture. It's 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 really horrible to hear at this moment because of of like hearing all this for the first time i'm just like kind of trying to take it all in um and i'm really appreciative of the of you guys to really put that knowledge out there because and you know i I, i've i've never in my whole life like i've never really came across this information Mm. i think it's always been something that you sort of know of but there's the, the information wasn't readily available because you, you hear about this stuff, right? You hear it on the news all the time and it just becomes sort of just, oh, it's ha- there it is. It's like it's become the norm when it shouldn't be. Mm. And the issue is lack of information. So um, just to bring up the point that Tina brought up um, with um, the 13th, the Netflix documentary, um, you've heard about slavery. You've heard about, you know, po- police brutality. It almost becomes so normal, like police shoot- uh, school shootings. You just, oh, another one. When, when it first happens, like, whoa, that's messed up. But then you start seeing it more and more. You're kind of just like, oh, well, that's fucked up. That's just how it is over there. But with, with, with um, what's happening with the police brutality, because of the lack of information um, and just it happening again, I'm not like, I don't know if it's wrong to say this, but some people just sort of like, that's just fucked up and nothing gets, nothing happens from it. Mm. But then that documentary, I watched that yesterday because um, right after the protests here in London, straight, I was just triggered because the, mo- the moment all this stuff was happening, it really got everyone to pay attention, to really pay attention. And while you sort of know, like I've known about this stuff and I thought I'm on the right, I'm on the right side of this because I care about it. Only with this happening and really watching that documentary on Netflix, I was like, no, this is fucked up. I can't just be not saying anything. You know what I mean? Like, it's not enough to just say I care about it if you really have a conscience, if you really look into it. And I, I think um, I think 
uh, what Delara is saying with Australia, like it was such a new country. We know about hints of it. You see it on the news or you hear people talk about it. But I don't know if it's like un until we get a Netflix documentary in Australia <laughs> to actually cover it because it's so well done. Like it just has it there. Like the information's out there if you really look for it. Yeah. But with like uh, social media, with um, how things are put together, how ac information is accessed, I think there's somewhat of a turning point there's a there's a bit more of a like it's gaining traction and um yeah i just wanted to share that like that that i really recommend that documentary and i wish there was something like that because um uh yeah. what what delara just mentioned there i'm on the same boat as raf i'm like we live in australia and i don't fucking know this you know yeah, I you know of it but not as deep as like that our documentary watch on netflix i was like oh my fucking god like really it's I know. Up. I know that there is information out there, um, and Delara, you can probably tell us because I know that there are films, sort of documentary series on SBS called The First Australians. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's nice. about uh, I don't know how many episodes, but what it takes you it takes you through the history of Aboriginal Australians from first contact from so seventeen eighty eight um, through, and I think the latest the last one is about. Mabo and uh, we just had obviously a reconciliation week which um, tops and tails Mabo day was just on the third mm -hmm. of this month um, which he um, if you don't know about it it is um, he sort of claims terror uh, not terrorized native titles so uh, the, the hardest thing of for Aboriginal people to claim native title is that you have to um, prove a continuous uh, cultural practice on that land and it's hard because a lot of Aboriginal people got removed from their land and put on reservations. Mm -hmm. And so that uh, was broken. And so you have to go to the courts. And so he went to the courts and fought to say that that land up in uh, Torres Strait Islanders was um, traditionally his, passed down from his father. Right, from the indigenous. But, yeah, it's a great... Um, they sort of simplify a lot. Um, but the, the thing is, I understand that it is overwhelming, these, these types of conversations, but the conversations that need to happen. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not, you're not going to learn it overnight. Mm -hmm. And like, a lot of things I've learned, obviously being in the situation, but it's years and years of learning and being active I, I'm sort of comparing it to people that want to go and go to the gym. You don't go once mm. and then you get results. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like just commitment um, through, through learning and yeah. educating yourself through documentaries, um, films, reading materials mm. um, across all that. But it, you, if you have such a high interest in it, it's going to sink in more than mm. um, when a lot of people don't want to hear it, it just sort of goes one ear to, one through one ear and out the other. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. you're gonna then find a lot more material um, associated with that. Yeah, I know that um John Peel just got a documentary called Utopia. I think he's the one that did that one, but that's a really good documentary to watch. It's done by a white man. I think the, I think it'd be great. I mean, there's so many great Aboriginal creatives out there doing great stuff already, um, but that's a documentary that comes to mind. Yeah. And I know that there are websites out there. Um, when I was doing a bit of research, there's, um, you mentioned Reconciliation Week, rec reconciliation.org.au. 
um and i'll i'll get i'll get links from you guys um of like what what the best links are to do their research for for our listeners um for both for both the you know indigenous deaths in custody and also for for black lives matter um i wanted to talk a little bit about that cuz nats talked about that uh idea of us seeing it but then not really really um identifying with it you know and it's and then on the internet it talks a lot about a privilege right it's it's some of us are privileged enough not to have that relationship with the police we're privileged enough not to see that stuff happen to us um and i think that needs to be talked about a little bit more cuz some people are just like well the the you know the police when i my relationship with the police is um speaking personally because i grew up out west and also i i uh, the the relationship that i had with the police was i thought that i was always doing something wrong you know like if i was pulled over by the police i was automatically doing something wrong um that's my personal experience um wasn't necessarily that but um i guess the point i'm trying to make is let's talk a little bit about uh privilege and why it's important for us to recognize that we have that some of us have the the privilege to you know based on our skin color and i know that all of us the all of us here are people of color um but w- what are your viewpoints about about privilege and how do we kind of help other people to recognize that privilege and and how do we like make bring more awareness to it how do how do we talk about this sort of thing Do you want to I, mean, I think we I think that we are talking about it and I think um what Delara said is really important about it's something that you do on occasion all right it's something that we talk about every day mm-hmm. um it's something that we learn about every day and things that we need to unlearn we commit to that every day for the rest of our lives it's not just uh it's a lifestyle it's there's there's nothing that reading about stuff and being interested and letting that interest grow into genuine research that is based in your commitment to doing your part you know like we it's problematic to always use these terms like allyship you know um there are arguments that say that if somebody benefits from your oppression in the form of privilege then um they ca- actually cannot be your ally so you will never have the same interests and you know as, um in american history um i can't remember the, the poet at the moment but you know this idea that a slave and a slave master will never have the same interest so it's a question that we have to ask every day and i i appreciate the conversations and um i think it is really important to do our own research and uh mm-hmm. let it be something that we're doing for ourselves and not for anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I I I like to add th- that point you made there, do it for ourselves, not for anyone else. That's a really good point in a sense of um especially with social media pressure, like you know, like with especially with the the movement, the the posting, the black square, the um you know, just sharing information like um I try to see both sides of the coin like I get it as well um but at the same time um 
posting for the sake of posting, just for like it's trendy, or just say I've done my part. I've I've posted my square. It doesn't end there. It should it shouldn't shouldn't end there. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Um, and I think that's a big thing. And I think like it's 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 also on the on the flip side of the coin. It's easy to condemn people if they don't share anything, because um, social media is so easy to like. It's just it's broadcast to the world. Um, at the very least, someone that's not posting anything, which was me at the start. At first, I was like, oh, I feel it's such a serious thing. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. My first post was just the hashtag with a black square, but it really got me paying attention. But at the least, like just reiterating what Tina's saying, it's 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 learning. It's like you gotta like really start looking into it and start living it. Like not just like a passing thing. This isn't just a media trend, like a uh, the new viral sensation, the new TikTok dance or whatever. It's like, guys, something's happening here. The world is telling you something. A lot of people are affected by this. You gotta know where you stand, and everyone stands on different levels. Um, even us being Asian, like Filipino, uh, I don't know, like you know, ye yellow yellow skin people. I hope that's not racist, but anyway, um, you can say yellow Asian. Okay, I don't know anymore, but that's what I mean. Yeah. Get uncomfortable. Say it. Like, don't say, not say anything. Say it, and then get corrected by it. You know what I mean? I I'm learning myself, and I think um, before, like I said, you see this stuff all the time. You see uh, the, the black people getting sent to jail. And thinking it's enough, like, oh, I empathize with that. Yeah, we're Asian. We, we feel racism on occasion too. But the truth is, it's like, we're privileged as well in that sense that while we do get some sort of form of racism, I've never felt like I was going to get fucking killed yeah. for driving like over the speed limit or just something ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like. It's, it's one thing. It's, I think if, if anything, um, people of color that may not be black, but like a bit more, like it's more of a reason to speak out because we do feel some form of racism. And I commend, I have a lot of white friends that I had a mate from on Instagram that just posted something. And sometimes just to send like a bit of encouragement to reiterate what they've done, I'm like, hey man, thanks for, like, I'm not black, but like, hey man, that's really cool that you're speaking out. And he, he honestly told me, like, I really didn't know what to say. At this point, like uh, the more and more I looked into it, I like I just like it's just not even color anymore. It's just being human, like humanity. Like if anything, me being white, I have more of a reason to fight this. This is my fight more than the the black people. They're the ones getting done for it. Me being the privileged person, I have the power to do something about it, and I think that's really important. So like, yeah. That's, that's just one thing I've learned. It's like, it's a, it's a, it's the start, right, Tina? Like, it's a lifestyle change. You, the, the thing you mentioned about unlearning certain things that we used to think may not be that big of an issue, you got to put into place, start practicing it. Because, mm. you know, like, we talk a lot of shit too, man, Filipinos. We, <laughs> we talk a lot of shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> icebreaker, icebreaker. I just had to make it. I had to, I had to lighten it up, man. I was so getting much. too deep. There's so much tension and deepness in There's this There's so much tension. I have to be like, like, yo, we talk a lot of shit too. You know? <laughs> Asians can be racist too. Like, like, because we cop racism, it's not an excuse to be racist. All I'm trying to yeah. say. I'm just I, I, I just want to touch on that real quick as well. Like, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it is an issue about racism, but it is like in, in the bigger sense of it, it's an issue about humanity. Like, how do we treat each other? We're all humans. We're all part of the same race. Well, the human race, right? 
Um, I'm just I'm just surprised, or like I'm just watching the world of how 2010, 2020 has became this coming together type of feel. Yeah, like you've seen protests happen. You've seen um, the way they protested before, whether it be a more passive way of doing it or uh, from Colin Kaepernick um, kneeling to other protests as well. But it seems like this protest that's happened this week or the past few weeks, it feels a bit different. It feels a bit more that awareness has been, has been given out to the world. Like I feel now I'm more interested in trying to figure out a way that I can help. Like a lot more people are more aware of what's going on, especially in the in Australia with the Aboriginal community. Like, there's things that we are not aware of, or that is not general knowledge that we have to dive deep into. And I feel the this year is a bit different compared to like how it was in the past because this has been going on for a long, long time. But I just I'm just curious to know anyone's thoughts on why this has been this message has been sent across differently than anything other what is it the rioting is it the the way it's been presented or like what what what's what's different about this year does it feel different to you guys tina delara does this does this i just to quickly kind of touch on some of the things that you guys touched on i mean speaking of privilege you know um like india is part of asia philippines is close by you know, and the thing is that to varying degrees between Australia and the United States, or maybe the same degree, Asians of all colors, yellow and brown, racially profiled mm-hmm. as white by the police. And so that's something that prevents us from truly being able to understand um, half the terror that is enacted on indigenous and black communities, not just here and there, but around the world too. And, you know, I think this is the... I think that the reason it's different now is because we've all been saying this shit for over 20, like for me, I've been saying it for 20 years and nobody listened when I came to Sydney and dared to say the word people of color. People fucking um, saw me as aggressive and um, a threat. And I think that now we've been messaging this stuff long enough that um, it's probably clearer. And I know that my messaging is clearer than when I was really enraged and, and traumatized in my 20s without being able to respond rather than react. And this is the perfect time for people to learn that not only are there varying levels of privilege, but white privilege cannot be lost. And and white people in the United States and in Australia have a fear of losing ground and and losing white privilege. But now they're seeing that, well, they're not going to have anyone's knee. uh, They can shoot up a black church and they will not have anybody's knee on their neck. They will get taken to McDonald's for a snack. Yeah. Yeah. There was that yeah, that person that, that killed someone and they, they took him to Hungry Jack's or some something. We shouldn't mention names because they're not, they're not paying us. But, um, but yeah, absolutely. It's one of those things that was, people think that, you know, if we promote that Black Lives Matter, then that means that white people's lives don't matter. That's the, that's the mentality that they think. But that's not the case. That's not, that's, not how, that's not how it's been happening. The real reason that that's happening is because the whiteness as a racial construct is built on the difference from blackness. 
and that's what white femininity is that's there's there's a lot tied in there and the reason that that's the response is because if blackness is given the right to live and the right to exist then whiteness doesn't can't really continue to exist in the sense yeah. that we know it now yeah yeah absolutely absolutely I think another thing too, just to add um, on why this protest might be like different, right? Like there's more, like I look in the crowds and it's mixed. Sometimes like, I think the Sydney ones from pictures, a lot of Aussies as well, you know, um, like white Australians as well. It's, it's once again, the education piece, but also visibility. Um, like you, you, like how many people witnessed a black man get murdered on camera um, before like media is such a powerful weapon like pretty much it's been used i don't know i might sound like a fruity uh conspiracy theorist right now but controlling the media can really have an effect you've seen it um back in i don't know i, I don't know the years but you know what i mean like they'll they they'll they'll set an image like um i think the slaves they were portrayed as these criminals as these animals rapists or whatnot mm. um you can flip the narrative so easy but i think where we are now in terms of technology um connectivity of the world like how global it is it's not just isolated to a country and the the actual movement black uh lives matter you can't pinpoint it on a, a group it's a hashtag there's no address there's no physical address to be like we're gonna the the white people are gonna target that the racists like we gotta shut them down it's like you can't fucking shut it down it's a hashtag it's everywhere yeah. and everyone saw it and now people that didn't realize there was an issue are like whoa okay and it's only gonna like i'm hoping it grows from here and i think that's what's giving it a lot more traction than it did before because mm. before it just be something like in the news that you might hear about and it's gone the next day yeah. onto the next next topic and that's whatnot. that's you're not a fruity conspiracy theorist at all it is 100 percent true that these big i believe that elites, i just say that as a, just in case just no, in case like but I, I do believe that it's true <laughs> these, these people these elite do control the media and they do want to push a certain narrative and with the power of the internet it's just um it's yeah, it just turned on its head. When I was at the the protest on Tuesday, a lot of the speakers were talking about, you know, I'm so grateful for the power of the internet because if this Facebook event didn't push, then a bunch of you people probably wouldn't be here. Um, so, yeah, I th you can you can clearly see the difference. Um, I went to the one yesterday in London. This is my first protest. Like this, seeing all this really hit me that I was I've never been to a protest. I never really saw the like appeal not the appeal but you know what i mean like it's kind of just like oh yeah I, I can support from afar if i at least acknowledge it that was the mentality before but with all this happening i was inclined like i gotta go i gotta check it out and being there um just just seeing like you just felt like you're really part of something like you feel empowered almost i'm not black but i feel like you know what just showing that i'm here to support uh speaks volumes in that sense um as well mm. um Sorry, there's a train. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. It sounds like someone's flushing a toilet. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I gotta fix this, man. It's the worst. My podcast has like train sounds all the time. <laughs> um, um, but I was gonna say, sorry, once again, with, with, with that point that I'm trying to say, um, like the difference with, with that, that, me being there firsthand, I already know I'm seeing it. I'm like, this is beautiful. People chanting, people of so many different colors. It wasn't just all black. If anything, I think there was more different random races as well together holding up signs. That's beautiful. I like this. 
was better than any music festival where I just get drunk and just party up. I like this more. I was like, this feels like we're actually doing something. Mm. And then the, today, just today, a day after the protest, you don't see shit about the good stuff. Like you see a bit of it because that doesn't sell. That doesn't get attention. You, you won't see a headline. Oh, such a peaceful protest. London was so nice and happy. No, they, they show the one incident where like some dude that you, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. Opportunist. Some guy that chucks a bike at a, at a horse only in London. I don't know why. Chucks a bike at a horse. That's the front page. Yeah. And then they're showing all the bullshit that's happening. I'm like, I didn't see that. But like, yeah, that's that's bound to happen. Shit like that's going to happen. And it's the same shit that happens in America. I'm very sure. Like, I have a friend in New York and, you know, she is saying like, it is pretty messed up. But they're going to like exaggerate the bad shit depending on the media, media that uses it. Yeah. And our social media is like sort of challenging that. Well, the people with the right on the right side of it. Basically, it can expose it for what it is. Yeah, that's it. It's just the comparisons, completely different from being there as opposed to what you see in the news. Because I'm already, I'm, I already know a lot of my aunties and uncles are going to be messaging me like, Nathan, why did you go? It's so dangerous. Why would you do that? You're putting yourself in danger. And I'm like, mm. it was not danger. It was more civilized than a rave or a music festival that I've been to. Yeah. To be completely honest with you, <laughs> was that like for US, man? Like it looked like it was. Yeah, it, it, Pretty, uh, it was great. I loved it. I love mobilizing. It's, good, huh? <laughs> uh, it's all fun and games until the police starts. Yeah, pepper spray everyone. D Delara, yeah, fuck. Does this the, has has the protest have the process felt different to you? I mean, that was the, the, the question. Obviously, this year is it's a completely different year to any other because of the events of the first six months. Mm. Um, obviously, the fires. And then going into now the pandemic of COVID, and obviously now uh, the Black Lives um, Matter movement, it is different. Um, I, I feel like there are a lot of people wanting to learn now, mm. uh, especially in my circle um, of people that I've known for several years, uh, especially in the acting world, um, people that I went to um, NIDA with. I I've continuously put things up or out there over several years and it won't get a lot of buzz, but somehow now there's people liking or sharing my statuses that have, I've known they've seen it, but it just didn't um, affect them as much or they just did not know compared to now and i think because of social media if you look on every platform there's somebody talking about it and not just one person multiple people um are talking about it. so you can't really escape it and i think that's what made it different that you couldn't hide um if you were on facebook it's everywhere if you went on yeah uh, instagram twitter tiktok it was it's everywhere you just could not escape the topic and i think that's the thing yeah. that like Nobody can turn a blind eye to this. Yeah. They can't plead ignorance anymore. Absolutely. No, it is absolutely everywhere. Um, I just want to, oh, sorry. Oh, my God, yeah. I was just going to say that, you know, yes, the internet is amazing in being able to connect all of us, but let's just also, you know, give credit where credit's due. 
people of color-led media, that it's allowing all of us to be presenters and um, talking heads and be experts on stuff that we know that we're not allowed to be authorities on um, outside of certain contexts. And now, I mean, I've noticed the same thing. People have been trying to silence me for four decades, and now I'm starting to get um, you know, pats on the back and, oh, we should have listened to you sooner. And, you know, maybe there is something to what you, maybe you're not paranoid like we thought um, or disturbed. And the thing is that it's because those people of color in the media and doing their own things are refusing to stop agitating and making people uncomfortable that are way too comfortable and tell themselves stories that help them sleep at night. A hundred percent. Yeah. You know, every time I look on Google and try to find some articles on what's happening, I'm clicking on NITV. I'm clicking on Kuri Radio. I'm no longer yeah. clicking on like Channel 9 or 7 anymore, especially when it came to the protest that happened the other day. Yeah. Because when I read those articles, they're not reporting it right. They're not. I, I feel like they're not. And when I read the ones from NITV or the footage that they've got there, it's like, that's what I saw. Yeah. That's exactly what I saw. And yeah. Yeah, Definitely. Um, giving props to those media outlets that are pushing the right, the right kind the, of news. Yeah, absolutely. One hundred. What I what I what I like about this, even though this is very very, like, uh, it's a very very heavy topic. There's a there's a lot of information to process, um, and we were talking about this earlier on like off camera um, amongst us, the three of us, uh, Nats, Raf, and I, were that despite all of the stuff that's been happening this year. All the craziness of the bushfires, the you know the, the pandemic, and now like the, this movement, um, it feels like it's the beginning of change. It feels like it's a it's a beginning, um, or it feels like there's there's more movement towards you know good things happening, and that's that's what I that's what I, um, that's what we were talking about earlier amongst us and. That makes me very, very hopeful, despite all of the things that have been happening this year. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about as well was, uh, obviously, that there's this stuff that's happening, but um, and we know that protesting is one of the things that we can do to, to help bring more awareness and, and show our support um, for, for these movements, for, for the Black Lives Matter movement and also for the um, Indigenous deaths in custody movement um something really interesting that i saw in terms of the the protests were you know nazi was saying that you know the and the the, pro the protests that were peaceful but then there, there have been times where you know in in america mostly the police have been doing what they do and have been inciting there's you know, riots been incited and all, all of these things um, one interesting thing is people have been sharing ways to be safer or help each other in and amongst these protests. Um, I know that Eski, you, you like wrote on your arm. It was like some. Uh, it was like a number for for free legal advice if you were arrested yeah, in the pro protests. Um, I saw. Yeah, I've got a bit of it still there. It's <laughs> like. <laughs> Hey, get it tattooed, bro. I should get it tattooed. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, also the the there were like um the protests, uh in that have been happening in Hong Kong, they've been using umbrellas to defend against tear gas. They've been using like traffic cones to like, mm. to like, 
to kind of stop the spread of the tear gas. All of these things um, uh, to to help you know to to make it safer for people to peacefully protest. Um, do you guys have any advice for people that are that are protesting? Do you do you, what what would you say to people that are uh, wanting to show their support to have you know their their, their feet on the ground out there? Um, what advice would you give them to help protest? I think for me it is always your intentions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think now there's, there are some people that are there obviously wanting to find out what's going on down there or to have a photo op. Mm. There's a lot of things. So really knowing what your intentions are and what, uh, why you're going down there as support. Um, as we, I, I went down yesterday and it's one of the first protests I've ever been down to. And I spoke to my grandmother about it going, I just, uh, I think the, the same as um, Nathan going, um, you don't know why or how it works, um, what protests are. Um, but she was protesting back in the late sixties, early seventies for land rights. And mm. the reason why she said she did it is because they didn't have, control over media or had social media. So that was the only way their voices could be heard. So it's really knowing why people are down there and how they're using that space and, and to support uh, those, uh, those black voices, mm. knowing why you're going down there in the first place and how do you hold that space for um, black bodies and black voices um, from both here in Australia and over in America. Somebody goes to a Black Lives Matter protest and is, is not black and is, is not willing to kneel between the black protesters and the cops and they shouldn't go. Yeah. Or, 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 if they're, or if they're just trying to get the next Insta hit mm. and get a thousand likes for the- you might, die, you might die for that hit. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, yeah. protests are real. This is not yeah. for tourism. Mm -hmm. I mean, you might, that might be the first thing that brings somebody in, but honestly, it can, it can get dangerous. Um, I did not expect Sydney cops to do what they did yesterday. And so, mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to say surprise because that's ridiculous, but, you know, um, I've had a lot of really good positive interactions with Sydney cops probably because I do profile as white, I am Asian. But the other thing is that it really seems like that was a hell of a training breach because um, I've seen I've seen Sydney police de-escalate a lot of shit and they knew, they, they knew how to de-escalate that. Why did they escalate it instead? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, yeah, on the flip side, um, well, not really the flip side. Um, I guess in a more practical, not practical, sorry. I don't know what I'm saying. More so like you have to go in, like, I know it sounds silly, but you kind of have to be prepared for the just unknown. Because like Tina said, you just don't know what's going to happen. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know like how bad the, how bad it is here in the UK. You're seeing stuff in America, like people breaking windows and stuff. I was a bit skeptical. I was like, oh shit. But part of me was like, I, I just want to just want to check it out. Mm. I, get, I, I get energized from being around a lot of action and shit. But yeah, just just be smart. 
that's the, the main thing. We're in a pandemic right now as well. Wear a mask, at least. Um, go with the group if you can. We biked it. We rode a bike. We didn't bother using public transport. Um, so we could just go at least park our bikes a bit, you know, somewhat close to it. So if things just got out of, out of hand, we could just have an easy escape. Um, and just don't incite stupid shit, you know. Know your intention. What the what Delara said. Yeah. Know your intention. There. It's not to. It's not a. It's not a fucking party or whatever. Even though there was the 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 vibe. Like like I can't explain it. But this whole the whole impact. I mean, like how I felt after. I'm like, I, I just I never felt this because I've never been to a protest before. Mm. Um, I had I was I had mixed feelings about it going in. Like what's gonna happen? So yeah, have a game plan. If you have a group, go with like maybe three four friends. Maybe not too many because you guys will definitely get split up and just have a game plan. Take yeah. care of each other. We were like, all right, just stick to- together all the time because you know what's going to never know what's going to happen. Yeah. And that's it. I like what we were saying earlier about, um, you know, obviously the media or any, any type of media can can change the narrative to whatever they want it to be. And it is we are fortunate enough to have um, uh, outlets out there like NITV and Query Radio who um, you know, tell it like it is. That they don't they don't try to spin it in a different way. Um, I wanted to bring up something that that Tina, um, obviously Tina, you're obviously really outspoken about all of this stuff. Um, I wanted to celebrate something. You just got given a grant. Do you want to you want to talk about that a little bit? Um, yeah. So I've been a creative for a really long time, but always terrified of writing grants. I don't know, Delara, do you write grants? It is a skill within itself. <laughs> um, yeah, it could be a full-time job just within itself, yeah. but it's something that, you know, if, as a, if you have a podcast or some other ongoing production, eventually you do have to ask for some money. Um, it helps if, if, you know, you have expenses. So, um, yeah, I think this is like the seventh or eighth grant that I've ever written. Never got a yes before. Um, the cultural resilience grant funding um, was available a couple of months ago. Yeah. And it amounted to $300,000 for the city of Sydney. So, like, $5,000 maximum for individuals. Um, 20000 for venues. And I applied... Um, cause I, my comedy show has a film crew, so we create together and kind of, um, putting ourselves in a group context, uh, around, uh, bringing our live show company to the screen and asking for money to be able to pay people and build mm-hmm. a website and things like that. Um, we, we got that granted and it's double the maximum that is, that was advertised as being, wow. The amount, yeah. Yeah, and what what I what I love is that this now helps to, um, and you were saying it when you when you were messaging me like you you have a story our, our stories, um, will be heard, and and that gives you a, a platform, um, that that helps that platform to you know, to tell the the stories of people of color. I'm really really excited about that. That's dope, man. Love that it. Deserves a clap, That's so y'all. cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just for you guys. <laughs> I love that. I love Waiting that. for that. I would like to um, personally thank you guys for um, Delara and Tina for providing the knowledge that you have, yeah, yeah and for us being outspoken and being um, constantly and persistent in your message and. Mm spreading this awareness of what is going on and what is not really shown in public knowledge like 
I'm one of those people who are just slowly trying to get my head around of what's going on. Like if you've heard, you've heard, I've heard stuff in the past and it's been on my mind, but I think this time is more so that I'm paying more attention, being more aware mm. and wanting to actually act upon it to become, you know, a part of that change. So I do like to thank you guys for coming onto the show and really giving out these things that these knowledge and points that people are should be aware of. Where can people find you and where can people find your production? Oh, um, oh anyway, uh, you can find me on Instagram, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you search Delara Williams. Uh, um, but I just wanted to just quickly uh, like thank you guys for um, being able to have these uncomfortable conversations yeah. because mm-hmm. it's uncomfortable uh, but to remember that black and indigenous people are forever in those uncomfortable spaces, mm-hmm. um, especially in um, these societies, you go into a bank, you go into just any streets and stuff, they're, we're forever in those uncomfortable spaces, but um, it's, you need to break that ice um, before we go any further. And if you're scared, like Dennis says, like, oh, if you're not willing to go and step in front of people to think, then don't go there. But if you're willing to um, want to make this change and, and to go forth, yeah, it has to start with these conversations and, and that's how we're just going to get forward. Yeah, love it, 100%. I want to um, just, before we sign off, just say that, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really honoured to be part of this uh, nice discussion and um, feel really like validated and, and seen and, and able to you know um, just feel like I'm doing something be- that will be lasting um, for the city of Sydney and um, and everybody that really is out there trying to be better and trying to work as a community within our separated communities and building those bridges on a daily basis and um, and it's really great to be able to chat about, you know, the, the relief around um, our little arts and activism company getting some support from the city of Sydney. I think that what it means for all of Australia is that all these comedians of color that have been kind of leaving out the details of their culture just to please white audiences are finally going to understand that that's not actually what any audience wants even and especially white audiences. So we actually can increase our appeal just by being ourselves. And, um, you know, we're at a place where if the fact that I articulated the exclusive and exclusionary nature of Sydney comedy, that actually created a solution that allowed the city of Sydney to just step in and write a check. So, um, you know, there's something to be said about persistence like like you guys are saying and and also consistency getting better at messaging and being willing to explain what problems are out there so that when you kind of have a solution um, all somebody else needs to do is step in and fill in a small gap and you're ready to go yeah love it i feel like i'm a better person after this conversation (laughs) i really do i really do feel as if i am more knowledgeable I've, yeah and I, it, it makes me feel good to know that this is you know this is new knowledge to me 
and I could make a change somehow. Yeah. Yeah, I feel inspired by this, by this conversation. I'm personally feeling scared about the thing, the new things that I'm going to learn and mm. how that I'll challenge my own, the own things that I think and actions. But um, I think that's part of the process of it learning. That's part of the process. Yeah. Time to get uncomfortable. 100%. Um, but yeah, Tina, where can they find you and, and find Type 5 Comedy? Um, yeah, so I'm Tina Teacher on Instagram, but Type 5 Comedy Show is our handle for all of our production related stuff. We're currently, um, we've, and we've been doing this from the beginning, but, um, you know, sharing the comedic comedic response around the world to Black Lives Matter and other um, movements that seek to take direct action out of microaggressions and hate crimes. And then, um, you know, all this COVID-related anti-Asian, anti-Chinese sentiment, we post all of that. All comedians are very vocal about, you know, what side they're on. And, you know, Priyanka Chopra just got blasted for selling bleaching cream and then posting Black Lives Matter. But we're gonna throw shade at her for the rest of her life for that one. <laughs> yeah. So please do follow our pages and look forward to inviting everyone to our new website sometime next year. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So, we're looking forward to you know seeing that content that you guys that you guys bring out. All the stories that you're gonna be telling. Um, and once again, we, we'll be uh, putting some lots of links of of how you can help support and donate, and also some links on how. What what you can do to read it up on what's happening with the Black Lives Matter movement and also the Indigenous Deaths in Custody movement. Um, yeah, thank you again to all of our guests on to, on this show, on this episode. Um, thank you for making us uncomfortable, but at the same time inspiring us to you know to be better. Okay, all right, before we end, I want to just, uh, I just want to shout out to or not even shout out. I would like to say rest in peace to everyone who's been affected by george floyd david Dunke. by all this by yeah. deaths regarding to racism and geared towards racism and really hope that everyone is more aware of what's going on um stop being you know ignoring it it's hard to ignore now yeah. let's just try and make some change let's make 2020 a reason that all this stuff is happening is that because we are expecting a change to happen yeah absolutely yep um once again 2020 vision. <laughs> Once again, thank you very much to our guests, um, hey. to Tina Zaman, to Delara Williams, to Ian Eski and Escandor. Um, you've been listening to the Cheat Coders podcast. You can check us out on Spotify, iTunes, um, Apple Podcasts, uh, and all, on all podcast streaming platforms, or just check us out at um, www.thecheatcoders.com. Mm -hmm. Thanks again for listening to the Cheat Coders podcast. Hey. Yo, welcome to another episode of the Cheat Coders Podcast. My name is Raph and I am here with Don Doing Stuff. What's doing? doing? All the way in London, Tam. Matt's Blaze. You're listening to the Cheat Coders Podcast.